Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Everything Under the A Umbrella, brought to you by WeWe Media. Today, we have a special guest, an eight-figure e-commerce brand owner, Ivan Ong. Ivan, can you give these guys a quick intro about who you are and what you do today? Hi, everyone. Uh, thank you, for, thank you WeWe Media, for inviting me onto this podcast. Uh, very excited to be here today. Uh, a little bit about myself is that I uh, I actually started doing uh, CPA marketing, actually like uh, uh, let me see, uh, thirteen years ago. So wow. I was uh, thirteen years. <laughs> yeah. So I started when I was twenty one years old. Uh, back then it was a uh, very very different as we all know from uh, from now. <laughs> yeah, mm. And then from there uh, I got my. Uh, like first part of uh, success, or first part of go from uh, CPA marketing. And then after that, I transitioned on to uh, starting to build my own e-commerce brand and also starting my own uh, local business in Singapore and also in Malaysia. Nice, nice. Um, so before we get into the juicy stuff and um, when it comes to your e-commerce brands, um, I'm particularly very excited about asking you some questions about how you built your brands, um, and that entire journey. But let's kind of jump back to when you said uh, 13 years ago. Um, I'm, I'm really interested to know how you got involved with CPA marketing. What was your first kind of experience with it? And um, and yeah, just the entire journey. Because 13 years ago is, a, is a quite a long time and you've seen basically everything evolve. Um, so let's start from the front, uh, from the beginning. Um, how did you get into it? Uh, so like uh, back then I was still a young a young boy so I was still in university and then I was like studying about uh, how to make money online etc try a little bit of article marketing try a little bit of SEO try a little bit of uh, um, like forum marketing back then was like uh, you know those kind of uh, very 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 newbie stuff and then uh, and then a friend recommended like uh, this course called um, uh, by uh, pay-per-click formula by Goher. Goher. Mm-hmm. And then that was how I actually got to do with uh, uh, CPA marketing. But that was a long time ago. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. thinking about it, it's quite funny. So, uh, I remember the first network that I joined was Copiac. Uh, I'm not sure if you know about this. Which one? And then there was this C-O-P-E-A-C, something like that. Oh, okay, I thought it's before my time. <laughs> and then uh, this network called the Hydra Network. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, that was how that started. And, and then, what kind uh, of vertical email submit? Oh, email submit. So uh, I guess SOI lead gen. Yeah, email submit was uh, my first campaign. I was doing like paying about a dollar forty cents per email, and then mm-hmm. like tip submits. A dollar and five cents per mm-hmm. zip code submit. Wow. Yeah, something like that. And what kind of traffic were you getting into at that time? Do you remember? Uh, my first traffic campaign was actually um, Yahoo Search Network. Wow. Yahoo Search. Yeah, Yahoo Search. <laughs> <laughs> so, like PPC or Yahoo Search. But, but back then, you could, you could just uh, do a simple landing page. Uh, and then with a simple uh, call to action and then just throw the landing page out on Yahoo and then uh, just run relevant keywords to it. Mm-hmm. And did you ever kind of get into pop or 
uh, banner traffic? How did you kind of evolve from, from yes. Yahoo search? Yes, so from the uh, pay-per-click traffic, uh, mainly Google and uh, Yahoo. And then eventually we went on to do like a pay-per-view. Mm -hmm. Called pay-per-view marketing. And that's when we I also jumped into it. So like traffic buns, mm -hmm. uh, media traffic, uh, yeah, some of the PPV networks are doing, and then um, basically just doing like a domain bidding, right? Just bidding on the on the offers domain. Uh, back then, used to work very well. Not sure about it now. And then uh, a lot of changes happening to the industry, whereby Google Chrome was shutting down, like all the different pops. Nothing's uh, much changed uh, today. Google Chrome is still shutting down a lot of a lot of pops and stuff like that. Yeah, correct. And then. Um, yeah, and then uh, after that, I started doing some training because I was doing uh, pretty well in, in CPM marketing. That's where I actually earned my first pot of gold. So I started to do some training. Ah, so, okay, so you, you kind of found your, I guess you said, pot of gold in, in training and coaching. No, no. Uh, CPA was my, actually my... So I was doing quite well in CPA. And then ah, okay. A, back then, I have a blog. used to have mm -hmm. a blog called Journey and CPA Marketing. Mm -hmm. And then a different courses I was using. And then from there, uh, people started to ask me to, to, to teach them how I do what I do. And then uh, from there, we transitioned on to, to do a little bit of training. Uh, okay. in Pardon me? Mainly only in Singapore. Uh, okay. So, you know, that's kind of a different um, approach because sometimes a lot of when affiliates, when they kind of make their money, uh, they're a little bit hesitant to share their knowledge when you on the other hand were kind of i guess built courses around it and wanted to teach people uh is was there any specific reason why you wanted to coach or why you felt like you needed to help these students um i think because i have a blog and then i started posting results and then more and more people started asking me like if i could teach them so like, why not? I was thinking, why not just uh, um, maybe charge them a little bit of fees and then uh, yeah, just teach them because I think the market is big enough. Uh, there's there's uh, and no, no harm teaching like a, a couple of friends here and there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So how many students did did you ever have? Did you have under your belt at one time? Uh, or I think like I think eventually we turn into a business and then we have uh, maybe a. Uh, Close to a thousand. A thousand? Yeah. Wow. So. Yeah, but it was many years ago. So from the coaching, how did that kind of transition into uh, where you are today or what you got into? If it's e-com or was there a period where you were doing, um, I guess from coaching, where did, where did it transition into? And then we, as we were doing coaching and then eventually we stopped because back then uh, PPV traffic was having a lot of uh, like uh, traffic issues and then uh, the volume of traffic was, was reducing a lot. And then um, so I actually stopped coaching after that and stopped doing uh, CPA marketing to focus on my uh, local business. So what, what so year I, was this? What year was this? Yeah. So there's a, we have a little bit of a timeline. I think like... Um, Seven, eight years, uh, seven years ago, maybe, six, seven years ago. Seven years ago, you stopped coaching, you said. 
Yeah. Okay. And then your yeah. local business is what? What was that? Um, uh, and then, uh, because we we are doing coaching, so we were in the seminar industry, mm-hmm. and then we started doing um, event organizing and digital marketing for like other coaches. So, so we have them to, uh, to do uh, the marketing, do the events, to mainly handle all the all the administrative stuff. Wow. So that's quite a transition. I guess um were you just really kind of sick of the CPA marketing or was the event planning and the seminars really something that you felt that you had a passion for? Is that why you kind of switched? Because sometimes when I, doing, uh, when I was doing CPA marketing, I think it was uh, very hard work for me. So I used to work really, really hard on CPA, but somehow I uh, kind of feel that um, there was, there's too much grinding uh, involved. And then uh, it's, well, it was getting like, a, a bit too tired, too tiring for me. Yeah. So, yeah. The work balance life. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, right. You know the grind, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, I wanted to, so then I decided to like maybe try a new business to mm-hmm. do something that uh, more sustainable, uh, more long term, etc. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And how did how did it how did the transition go um, with your local company with the events and the seminars? How are you still involved in that? Is that still going on today? Yeah, right now the event business has been around for eight years. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're still doing it, and we're still running the, the company. So we have a team of about uh, fifteen or sixteen people mm-hmm. running in Singapore and Malaysia but of course obviously due to the COVID this year a lot have a lot have changed as well yeah. so we transitioned from doing running e- uh, offline events to doing webinars and doing like um, uh, yeah Facebook live and more webinars uh, okay okay I mean I obviously COVID has made a lot of people transition and pivot I think it was you know very challenging for for companies but also showed uh showed companies what they're made of and kind of, you know, uh, if they're able to adjust properly during a time like this. Uh, and I, I feel like going online with webinars and Facebook live is a good solution. Uh, which kind of brings me to your next, my next question is I did see you with a, with one of those two comma plaques. Is that from one of your webinar courses or? Okay. So basically that's for our, um, our events marketing business. So, we are using click funnels to drive leads mm-hmm. and sales, uh, and then uh, we kind of crossed like uh, the, the eight-figure revenue last year. Wow! And then we could, we could actually apply for this uh, two-comma club. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm I have I have click funnels as well, but I'm nowhere near the the two-comma club yet. Um, so when I saw that, I was like, you know, that's something that's nice to have. It's a, it's a good milestone to have. Um, you know, it's good. It's good for marketing when you get those plaques. Yeah, I think it's just more like a recognition kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, so when it comes to driving, I guess traffic to your uh, click funnel, I'm assuming that you used, you know, you kind of banked on your past skills of, you know, buying traffic. Was it mostly Facebook? Was it SEO? Was it, uh, like you said, banner traffic? To your click funnel or was it uh what kind of traffic used, was it we mainly used uh like the, 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 the few big ones uh mainly google youtube oh, okay Facebook, tabula outbrain mgid so did yeah, you 
along the way of your uh, CPA career, did you test out all these different traffic sources or did you kind of uh, team up with certain traffic specialists? Because learning all those different types of sources obviously is very time consuming, um, expensive, I would say, testing multiple sources. Uh, did you take any courses on, on those traffic sources or you really just learned along the way? I think we, we learn along the way and uh, and we really like test out every single uh, traffic source that we can that we find with the best potential. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think main main thing for traffic is that um, of course the platform may be different, but like the fundamentals of traffic generation and media buying, it's always the same. Mm-hmm. So the fundamentals that we have, the foundation of uh, buying media, I think it's just a matter of like getting familiar with the platforms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so how did you kind of transition from uh, your events and seminar company into kind of what you do today? Uh, we started our e-commerce brand like three years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, back then, we were still running our event business. Right now, we still are running our events business. So we have two businesses running right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then back then was uh, three years ago, I wanted to like start something on the e-commerce because Everyone was raving about it. I think my friends were telling me, oh, like this is a, it's a, it's a big boom. Everyone's talking about it. And at that point of time, dropshipping, I think, was still a very hot, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, very hot uh, business. So everyone was like making big numbers. They're showing like all the, showing off their big screenshots on their Shopify store and everything. So, yeah. so I think that uh, kind of like got my attention to really want to start like something on the e-commerce side. Mm-hmm. So we were bring. I was considering between job shipping or like uh, or like Amazon FBA e-commerce. So after mm-hmm. talking to a few friends, I realized that maybe job shipping is kind of like a bit a little bit like CPA marketing whereby you need to have constantly be testing offers, testing products, mm-hmm. uh, testing a lot of different angles, even a lot of creatives. So I thought that that was still maybe too grinding for me, you know, you know, because like now I have a family. Yeah, uh, yeah. I've to run so like I can't be doing the, the grind so much so that's uh, kind of like decided to work on like building our own e-commerce brand so mm-hmm. which was uh, maybe slower the scaling is not as fast by which we suppose that was more uh, long term more sustainable yeah and then uh, yeah so then we decided to start our own like, brand so did you get into drop shipping at all did you test it out at all or did you really just Make up your mind, like you know what, I'm gonna skip the drop shipping part, and I'm gonna, you know, build a brand, uh, private label some products, or develop products. Uh, that's something I want to talk to you about later. But did you even dabble with drop shipping at all? No, no, we didn't. We didn't, uh, we didn't try drop shipping at all. Okay. Um, and when it came to picking a niche, um, how did you kind of? What did you look at when you said, okay, I'm, I'm going to build a brand and it's going to be in this niche. How did you kind of come to that decision? Um, a very good question. Uh, I think for us, we wanted to really do something that we, we love doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's more like a, a, a niche that you're passionate in because back, if you're passionate in, about, in that niche, then uh, you tend to know more about the particular niche and you are, you are the audience. So, mm-hmm know more about what, who the audience are like how they are think the, what their needs what are what they want what they're looking for 
like what mm. kind of product will do your customers want, etc. So actually, actually we are in the baby space. Mm. So why wanted to do why wanted to go into the baby space is because uh, three years ago I just had my first baby. Uh huh. And me and my wife was like very uh, you know as as a new parent we were very excited about a new baby, and then we were like researching about uh, a lot of baby products. So like you know as a new mom, a new parent, new dad tend to want to give the best for your baby and then you start to read up on this particular product, that particular product, what is the material made out of, uh, and then the pricing on different brands. And then that's, that's when we, we kind of like start to uh, be more interested in like baby products. And then mm. we're thinking, okay, so since we have this passion for baby products, so why not do the baby niche? That's a, <laughs> it's a nice, that's a nice story. And it, it, and it's natural when things are natural, it's uh it's kind of like a part of your everyday, like you said, and, and you are the audience. So, I mean, not a lot of people have the, I guess, drive or, or resources to actually take things into action when you are an audience, when, you know, you're a part of the audience and you feel like there is a need in this industry. Um, not a lot of people actually go that step and, and create something to solve those needs. Uh, so that's cool. One um, thing because like, um, we feel that the, the niche has to be evergreen. Mm-hmm. So we want, want to go into a, a niche that's like based on type, like, you know, like fidget spinner kind of thing. Yeah, so yeah. The evergreen, a long-term uh, and a sustainable niche that you want to go into. Like, rain or shine, economy, is it good or is it bad? Exactly. The niche will demand, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yeah. Well, having said that, and it is an evergreen and, you know, the baby space is highly competitive. How was it starting out as a smaller brand um, going up against like kind of bigger ones? How did you kind of differentiate yourself or how did you carve your own space within this niche? Yeah, I think in the beginning when we have like no, no branding, not well known, then uh, I think what, what we did was we... We compensated with like uh, quality products at a very very low price. Okay. So, so initially we we started out like like almost like very little margin, get some traction on uh, to get people buying our products, uh to to get our like brand name out there first, and then when they start to see that oh it's a good good quality product with very good packaging, very un- good unboxing experience, mm-hmm. at such a low price, and that's that's when we started to. Um, I think a word started to spread. Then we start to get more people talking about us, giving us good reviews, etc. Mm-hmm. etc. And uh, was it a was it strategy to price your products very low at a good quality? Or did it did you sacrifice a lot of margin there? Uh, at the end of the day, like for Amazon, we uh, we we wanted to we we kind of knew that the Amazon customers are like. Uh, they are not looking really for the super expensive kind of kind of range. Uh, they are like more of like shopping for day to day items. Um, so we we don't we didn't want to like be a super premium expensive brand. So we we set ourselves as like a mid tier um, mid tier brand that is uh, that is able to provide good quality. Mm-hmm. A quality as good as as a premium. Yeah, so there mm-hmm. was uh, more of a market, uh, and that's how we uh, position ourselves. Nice. Um, and just to jump back, why did you 
kind of focus on Amazon and not, you know, run traffic to your own Shopify store, which is uh, both, both, I guess, platforms are very successful, but what made you kind of focus on Amazon more than running traffic through Shopify? making good money on Amazon <laughs> and uh, we decided like okay so uh, since Amazon is like there's really bias there's already so many traffic so much traffic we just have to be uh, better than our competitors so like creating better listings better images um, better products and then uh, yeah that's how we, we we decided to choose like Amazon first Okay, and are you buying traffic within Amazon uh, using their ad platform or are you kind of buying traffic outside and sending them to your Amazon store? Okay, so uh, we are actually running a lot of uh, pay-per-click and also video ads on Amazon. But I think for us, the idea is quite clear. We wanted to use Amazon as, as a like launch pad, you know. Uh, we wanted to use Amazon to, to launch our brand first, so to get some... Uh, people buying from our brand and then from funnel mm-hmm. them out to our own ecosystem, which is our own uh, email platform, and our own like um, social media platforms, etc. Which will then redirect them to our, back to our store. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So to this day now, is would you say it's a pretty evenly split between um, Amazon and your own your own website? Um, so the first year we actually like really focused on uh, on Amazon. In fact, the first two years, so we were we were just focusing a lot on Amazon, and only like uh, beginning of this year we we started to focus a little bit more on our Shopify store and creating the Shopify store, and then uh, uh, trying to buy traffic from Facebook to our uh, to our store. But then it has been uh, I mean we are still testing things out. So, uh, in fact, if you compare our Shopify store to our Amazon store, it's, uh, it's still a very big gap in terms mm-hmm. of the that they are getting. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like, like 5% to 95%. Wow, wow. <laughs> so, I guess there's still, at least that, that, that shows that there's still some work to do, um, you know, to, to fully kind of balance it out. Um, well, I don't even know if you need to balance it out, but uh, if, that would, if that's your goal. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask you, uh, and I feel like it's something, you know, a big difference between CPA marketing and e-com, uh, or even drop shipping and being a brand owner, uh, is customer service and engaging with your community. Uh, how do you, is that a big part of your brand, uh, you know, building a community with, uh, I guess, fellow parents or engaging with your customers? Like how big is your customer service team uh, currently and what are their, and how big is their role in, in the success of your business? Yeah, I think, I think uh, what you say is very correct. Like uh, engagement with the community is very, very important. Uh, and for us, we actually put a lot of focus on like constant communication and engagement with our like, community and our customers. So we have this Facebook group whereby we, we, we put in all our, all our customers in there to like, to like build a community and then we will do very regular giveaways do like fun games um, just uh, basically just create content for this uh, to to and also like uh, weekly newsletters to with mm-hmm. to actually like engage them to uh, let let them let our brand be always be the, on top of their mind you know 
Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Do you guys have any like kind of mommy seminars where, you know, the moms gather around and, and kind of, I guess, have a chance to ask questions to, you know, any of a blogger mom or do you have, do you work with any like collabs like that? Yeah, I think we, uh, we are content writers to write about like topics uh, related to uh, parenting, relating to like, um, like maybe like breastfeeding, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Lactation consultant to to give yeah. us to IG stories, IG IGTV uh, content, etc. So we really constantly engage them, talk to them, let them know that we are we are always there. Uh, and then uh, yeah, it's a big part of what we're doing. Nice, nice. So when it comes to uh, I guess bringing out introducing new products uh, in your brand. What is the process of you bringing a new product to market? How do you test it? How do you choose it? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm interested in, in that part of, you know, keeping fresh and keeping, you know, constantly listening to your cu customer's feedback and, you know, coming out with products based on that feedback. Yeah. Um, I think initially when we first started, uh, we mainly just, uh, our product criteria was to have, the product must have demand on Amazon. So like people must be searching for it, like people are buying from it, uh, buying the particular product, and then uh, we will attend, we'll try to like do it back in a much better way than our competitors. Mm -hmm. uh, right now, as we as we as our brand grows, uh, we we really want to create products that is um that is um what our what our customers really want. So because we have this Facebook group of about uh, 20,000 members in there. Wow. So uh, a big part of our research is based on just reading what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. you know, like sometimes they'll, be, they'll ask about recommendation for a particular uh, a product or they'll ask about... Um, yeah, they, they just, they just, they, there's, there's like constant like uh, talking. Yeah. A lot yeah. of on the, on, the, on the group and then that's where we... We can we can get product ideas or like mm -hmm. uh, looking at what are, what what are some of the concerns that they have when looking at certain products, or we can sometimes do surveys to ask them which color they like. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So I mean, it looks like you you definitely squeeze out not only revenue out of your community but feedback uh, and using that feedback to help your company grow. Uh, you know, and I think that's really important when when owning a brand is, is listening to your customers and, you know, like you said, just reading what they're talking about, because those are all indications of, of solution or problems that, you know, they're looking, they're looking for solutions for. Yeah. So when and it comes, so go ahead, go on. Initially we will, we will be like, like doing more like private labels. So like just mm -hmm. creating a product that is, um, risk, mm -hmm. uh, that's really available on the market. But as we go along uh, right now, we, we are starting to do like doing customization for the product to make it like a unique design on our own. Yeah, yeah. And then we can actually apply for pattern to further increase our our brand mode. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've gone through yeah. product development from scratch with uh, my e-commerce brand, and it's been quite a journey actually uh, dealing with you know all the molding and tooling and all the different types of prototypes um, and all the testing and certifications. It's it's quite a journey um, and it's something that's new to me and it's exciting, uh, but it's, it's definitely uh, an interesting, 
an, an interesting journey, uh, bringing something from idea stage all the way through uh, to product, uh, to market. So one thing I wanted to ask you about was, like you said, you do some private labeling. Uh, did you ever have any experience dealing with overseas manufacturing? Uh, and how did, how was that rolled when you first started getting, um, when you first launched your brand, how did you find the right suppliers? Uh, you know, was it tough talking to them and, and kind of vetting them if they're even a legitimate supplier? Uh, we, all our suppliers are from China right now. Mm -hmm. So, um, because China is, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's the world's market, uh, it's the world's manufacturers, right? So they manufacture so many things. Mm -hmm. uh, for us, we, I think we, it's, it, it's, we are fortunate to be in Singapore because like in Singapore, we are bilingual. So we understand uh, Mandarin as well as we understand English. Yeah. So like talking to suppliers, uh, as much as there's also very different uh, lingo in the way we talk, but at least we can like, uh, communicate, you know, mm -hmm. and of course, of course, of course, initially the, the 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 trust will not be there when you talk to them, so they tend to be also be uh, a, bit, a bit standoffish. Yeah, I mean, they are they are afraid of you as much as we are afraid of them. Mm -hmm. you know, like, like because if you don't pay, if we don't pay up their their money, then they can get a good start and everything. Mm -hmm. And so for us, in the beginning, when we talk to them, we don't kind of don't trust them because of the quality. Sometimes you know, like manufacturing, like a, a sample quality is very good, but then mm -hmm. when you mass produce, the quality becomes uh, yeah, exactly. So what we do is we we tend to uh, we will get like third party inspections, we will QC check uh, every batch. Yeah. Beginning. yeah. Have you have you gone over there to visit your your um, partners, your suppliers? Oh, yeah. Every year we will we will make a trip down to China to meet up with our suppliers to to talk to them, to tell them a bit about our plans for the following year. Mm -hmm. I think that helps like a relationship. Oh, for build, sure. And also build trust with, with them. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Uh, so I think very importantly is to, is to take, is to try to get some leverage from the suppliers to get some credit terms. So we, we don't want to be paying cash uh, upfront up whenever we manufacture something, we order something. So we, we're actually on like some uh, payment terms so they can actually give you like 30 days or 60 days mm -hmm. for you to pay up so it's actually very good in terms of the, the cash flow company yeah definitely and i think that uh you know going there and meeting them like you said once a year and establishing that relationship is is key to that to getting those payment terms and it helps out with cash flow obviously um, so that kind of brings us to uh, like kind of my next question when it comes to building a brand, what would, what kind of advice would you give yourself if you were talking to yourself three years ago, uh, building a brand and starting out, what kind of advice would you, would you tell yourself to, I guess, make the road a little bit easier uh, when building your brand? Um, Uh, <laughs> I'm not so sure about the question. Three years ago, I would tell myself. I think for the most part, we when we started off, we we knew what we wanted, and that's to really build a, a brand that is uh, omni-channel, to be a uh, off online offline uh, brand. So, I think we we would have done the thing the same thing over again. 
so that's not much things that I will tell myself. Wow. That's a, that's a, I mean, I, I guess it's all part of the journey and it looks like you're happy exactly where you are today. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the beginning, there's definitely like a learning curve to when we, when you first start out your first product, but then I think that's just, a like a learning phase that everyone has to get, has, has to get to. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. So when it comes to, now I'm going to ask you a couple of questions about you yourself. Um, and obviously in the past 30 minutes, you've talked about all the different companies that you've built uh, from scratch and you've, you know, gone through CPA marketing, you've transitioned into events and seminars, and then now you're back into kind of digital marketing and, and e-com. Uh, when it comes to building your team, was it, was it a difficult process uh, building your teams from scratch? Did you take your teams from certain companies and transfer them over to your e-com business? Did they follow you or every company has a different, a different team? Uh, I think for like CPA marketing, when we, when I was doing it, I, I, I found that it was a very skill intensive uh, kind of a role. So mm-hmm. I actually found it pretty hard to train someone to do media buying. Like, Mm-hmm. especially when like a big amount of money is at stake and then um, to, to really train them to be able to manage your campaigns and to manage your budgeting and also to optimize well for me it was a very hard thing so when I was doing CPA most of the time I was doing it uh, on my own okay yeah so but then for like e-com- e-commerce business uh, I think everything is more like more systematic everything is more uh, it can be broken down into steps so uh, it, it, it was actually more manageable to actually train the two SOPs, uh, create rules for like um, for more like a SOP yeah. operation kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So um, right now our e-commerce brand has about 23 people, 23 people on the team. So, so yeah, then we have managers managing the VAs, we have managers managing the, the people running the doing operations, and everything is like keep um, down. So uh, yeah, I think so far it's been manageable. So when it's uh like you said, twenty three people on the ecom side, what is the breakdown of the roles of the departments? If you don't mind, is it like do you have like you know five customer service, two media buyers, and operations how does the breakdown of a of an eight-figure e-com company look like right now we have three uh, graphic designers um, one video editor and then on the inventory side we have uh, two people managing the inventory reordering and all the logistics and then a brand content team like creating uh, content for the brand creating like uh, promotions giveaways campaigns for the brand uh, we have about uh, four people on the team and then like we have like a couple social media managers like managing a uh, social outreach to, to micro influencers and influencers to create more uh, UGC and also like um, getting more followers uh, running giveaways partnerships collabs with uh, influencers to do uh, to get more followers for our brand and to get a brand awareness out uh, in terms of marketing we have like um, 
two media buyers, two media buyers running like Facebook, TikTok ads, uh, Google ads, and then um, on the operation customer service side, we have about a team of five, five people doing customer service, uh, doing the day to day operations, making sure like our our fulfillment, everything is uh, it's on time. And uh, yeah, something like that. Nice, and and that sounds like a pretty solid group that you have, and you know everybody kind of obviously has to work it together to get their their goals accomplished, and, and you know properly run the company. What do you use for internal communication? Uh, we actually uh, we just use WhatsApp and Asana. Oh, nice. So you do use a project management tool, Asana. Yeah, but then it's only for certain departments. So, but mainly our main form of communication is still like on WhatsApp. So, mm-hmm. uh, we're not very systematic on this yet. Uh, we we are still working on it. So, but right now everything is all WhatsApp. And are, do you guys have an office, or are you working remotely? Uh, we have an office in Singapore, uh, where the Singapore teams actually comes to work every day. And okay. We have like. And then we also have remote uh, teams from the Philippines, uh, mm-hmm. from US, from Canada. Uh, like they will do their own, own stuff and do the reporting back. Okay. And just a you know, curious question when you're dealing with uh, such, because I'm, I'm really interested in operations and how you kind of run your company. What does a typical, I guess, topic, a meeting topic agenda look for, for you guys? Do you guys have a group meeting or do you have like division department meetings every week? What are the kind of things you're the KPIs that you look for um, on a weekly basis? Uh, we have like a, a whole company meeting uh, once a week whereby every department will give an update about uh, uh, give um, an update for their for their department, like some of the high, kind of the key highlights that happen, some of the rights that happen. Some of the like new promotions that we're running, new campaigns or like new content that's being pushed out. Uh, once a week, we will do that, and then uh, from then on, uh, we will have like small department meetings whereby uh, each department will break into their own uh, uh, different session, and then they will hold their own meetings. So yeah, that's what. Uh, and then we track our sales and also our revenue on a weekly basis. So to make sure that we are on track to uh, hitting whatever target that we, want, that we set up. Yeah, these are some of the things that we are doing on a day-to-day basis. And uh, I read up a little bit about uh, your brand and I, I see that your, your wife is heavily involved with the brand. How has that been uh, working with your wife on a daily basis? <laughs> Uh, in the events business, we also work together. So we've been working together for a long time. Uh, of course, initially working together as a couple uh, have its have its own challenges as well. But at the end of the day, like you know, like your wife will definitely be the one that will support you the most. You know, like in terms of uh, all the major decisions that you have to make. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how we structure it is that uh, basically she runs the entire uh, brand. So the branding, um, the uh, the look and feel, the mission statement of the brand, the customer engagement is all done by her because she's the target audience, right? So mm-hmm. she's a mom herself and then uh, she's able to understand what the customer really wants and the kind of products that the customers really want. 
so like for department and her team, I, I leave everything to her. So I trust her to do the best for, uh, for her own, de own department. And then for me, I mainly handle the logistics and also the sales and marketing. So for my department, she's uh, she will let me like make full decision on the on the department on 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 our own stuff. So we don't like kind of, of course we can give suggestions as to how to improve it if you have any feedback. But end of the day, the final decision still goes back to the the owner of the of the particular department. I so, mean, it's it's such a cool story to see that. I mean, I had a a guest on my show a couple of weeks ago who also started a company with his wife. And I think you're the only two people I know who've done that before. Some people say, you know, could be like, what are you thinking? Or some people say, you know, like you said, it, it is, there's a special bond between you and your wife, obviously. And if you can kind of uh, create a, a good balance between work and, and life, then it could definitely work out. And I think also it's about complimenting so she's very good at aesthetics she's very good at uh, understanding customers so I leave that to her I'm more I'm better in sales and marketing and business development and networking so I will do that piece for the brand yeah uh, I think that's a that's a great way to split it up and you know to keep you just stay in your lane and you kind of stick what you're comfortable to and like you said if you complement each other and supplement each other's skills then it should definitely work out. So enough kind of business talk. I'm trying to get to know you outside of, uh, I guess, your e-com brand. Who is Ivanong outside of work? A very routine and a family man. <laughs> so I try. Uh, I will take my kids out like every weekends, uh, just to make sure I spend time with them. I will visit my uh, my family on the weekends or so. And then like I try to meet my friends once a week to just chit chat, catch up, and just uh just talk about life and etc. So outside of work, I think I'm just a very rich, ordinary person. <laughs> so I seen that you've kind of taken a turn for like I guess you started your health journey, uh, and I I've, I've been following you on Facebook and noticed that you've made some big strides in that area. Uh, how long have you been kind of taking uh, health and your workout routine a bit more serious and what kind of progress have you made over the course oh, yeah. of the year? Health is a big, uh, big changer for me. So when I was doing my CPA marketing like, uh, like 10, years, 10 plus years ago, I was grinding so hard and then I didn't really take care of myself. So I was sitting on the, on the desk for like long, long, long hours. So I, I actually have like aches and uh, back aches all over my body, you know, like, you know, like aches from the neck, from the lower back and everything. And then uh, when, I, when I had my son, um, I was feeling so unhealthy about my life that I uh, can't really, I don't have the energy to be able to like, spend time with them, you know, and I always feel like very lethargic, I feel fatigued. And as my, as my two boys, you know, like boys are very energetic and they are growing up. Mm -hmm. Uh, make full use of the time to really uh, work on my health instead of like just uh, making it worse. <laughs> so what is a what does your program look like? Kind of what what does your trainer have you doing? Did you change your diet a lot? Did you change your sleep routine? Are you getting more sun? <laughs> because I 
you know, I, I'm also into fitness. Um, I don't know if I'm as kind of strict as you, but uh, I do do some research and I kind of feel like it is an important part of your life. And, you know, it, it kind of gives you, you know, you feel better when you're working, you know, without any yeah. aches or anything like that. Have you made a major shift in your diet or anything like that? I think the greatest thing for me is that I tend to be, I'm now more aware of the things that I put in my mouth. So uh, before I like, I, before I eat that piece of cake or like uh, that dessert, I'll ask myself, do I really like want to eat that? <laughs> so yeah. I, I put down a lot on, uh, on uh, sugar. So I take like, I try to go uh, for like a very, very low sugar kind of uh, diet. Mm -hmm. And, on, uh, more on protein and also vegetables yeah sugar is honestly like i think i i made a shift um earlier that or last year where i try to cut out sugar completely and switch from regular salt to himalayan salt like pink salt and switch from vegetable oil to olive oil and those three things like made a huge huge difference in me <laughs> yeah i think it's, i think it's very important to to be aware of what you are putting in your mouth yeah exactly uh so yeah that kind of do you feel do you sorry uh do you feel that uh being a little bit more healthy has an effect on the way you work um, I think definitely the, the attention span is better. I'm, I'm much more clearer in terms of uh, my decision thinking and my, and my focus. And I also started doing ice bath. I mean, if you follow me on uh, Facebook or Instagram, mm -hmm. you can see that I'm doing the uh, like ice bath. Mm -hmm. So I think ice bath also, like, uh, it's also helped me a lot in terms of like mental clarity mm -hmm. and being able to to choose to respond instead of uh, how I respond to certain situations. Like yeah. Situations. Yeah. I mean, the ice baths, uh, I used to be, I used to do them a lot more frequently when I played basketball uh, professionally. And, you know, ice bath is just a part of your recovery. Uh, but I can yeah. see, you know, those first two, three minutes, like you said, it, it really depends on how you respond to it. You know, you can jump out and, and be cold or you can just, control your breathing and accept the situation that it's extremely cold. Yeah, I think it's very, very relevant to like day-to-day -day life, day-to-day -day stretches, uh, stresses. Mm -hmm. Like I said, the issue sometimes like you just, you just like, react very violently or you become like bad mood over certain issues. But if you just calm down, uh, control your breathing, just uh, take it easy. And then like, that's when you can, that's when you can start to, you start to think of solutions and, and, and then uh, things start to clear up more easily. Yeah, that's a really good way to look at it, actually. I never really thought about it like that. Um, so, yeah, jumping forward and looking ahead, uh, in the next five years, kind of where do you see your, your brand or what do you see yourself doing or what kind of goals do you have set out for yourself? well so we have been uh, doubling our sales every year for the past three years uh, moving forward uh, we also we actually have some like um, 
uh, requests, uh, I mean like inquiries about acquisition, like wanting to buy our brand out. Uh, wow. I think for us, wow. I think for uh, no, the offer was actually like a, quite a nice eight figure sum, but then I, I feel that we just got started with our brand and then uh, my wife and I are very passionate about uh, this particular brand that we have built. Basically, we have like put in everything. So our heart, our soul, yeah, our money, yeah. time, everything is on, the, it's on this brand. Mm-hmm. So I feel we really want to my uh, like small family business brand mm-hmm. and eventually hopefully turn into like a, a more internationally recognized uh, brand. I mean, that, that, that's our long term goal. I mean, when you say internationally recognized, are you, most of your sales are in the States now or are they in Asia? Right now we are in Asia, uh, US, Europe, and uh, Canada. Yeah. So a lot of, uh, many, it's in the US. Nice. So, I mean, I think uh, you're definitely on the right track with that. Uh, I'm assuming that coming to the decision of turning down the initial offer to acquire you must have been hard. But at the same time, like you said, you put everything into this. You feel like this is just the beginning. Uh, and, you know, much respect to that. And, you know, I, I am wishing you well, following you closely and uh, would probably hit you up in the next couple of months for a little bit of advice with my e-com brands. Yeah, sure. So is there anything else that you'd like to tell our listeners uh before we sign off um i think like uh for the most part uh affiliate marketing uh, cpa marketing has been has been uh, I, I mean for me it was a very good stepping stone in terms of getting my uh my first pot of gold so uh uh i think getting that first pot of gold will eventually open you up to a lot more options that you can do so yeah, I think that, that that's always been uh, what I feel about my journey with uh, CPA affiliate marketing. All right. Um, all right. Well, thanks a lot. I really enjoyed spending this uh, past 45 minutes with you. Uh, it was extremely interesting to know about your different journeys over the past 13 years. And I'll be following on closely for the next the next chapter and see how big you can grow your brand. Yeah, sure. Thank you. Nice talking to you too. Nice talking to you.